2: Welcome to the Rainbow Report. News, opinion, current affairs for the Rainbow community. From Joy 94.9, Australia's only full-time gay and lesbian radio station. And
3: now, your host... Doug Pollard. Well, many thanks to Chris and Cam for The Drive Factory. Good evening and welcome to what I hope is a somewhat smarter rainbow report tonight. As we've said on this show several times, it's smart to conserve our history, if only because in the past we've been so often written out. And one of the most important parts of that history is our AIDS memorial quilt. James Rendell, Lord Abbot of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence of the Abbey of the Black Swan and Vice Chair of People Living with HIV AIDS Western Australia will join us later to explain the sad story of how the West Australian portion of the quilt may have got damaged by some not-so-smart treatment. From history to the future, and what is our future if not our children? The Pinnacle Foundation provides mentoring and scholarship to smart LGBTI students in need of help. Till now, they've been strong in New South Wales, but rather less so here in Melbourne. But they're about to change all that, and the man in charge of that is Bodan Abrat. who joins us later. We'd all like life to be simple, I think, with as little complication as possible. So when the idea of HIV prevention through the use of antiretroviral drugs came along, most of us jumped at it on the surface. It looked like a very smart idea, but unfortunately, HIV isn't the only sexually transmitted disease out there, and that single pill a day won't protect against any of them. Take, for example, gonorrhea. Once it was no big deal, but new strains that are resistant to all treatments are coming along. We're going to have to Get smarter about them. Professor Kit Fairley of the Melbourne Sexual Health Centre will explain. And this is your host, Doug Pollard. Now, just when you thought sex was getting safer, along come a whole host of new nasties to spoil your dinner. We've spoken before about the sudden emergence of meningitis in the New York and LA gay communities, about HPV, the human papillomavirus, which is now being linked to throat cancer thanks to the rise of oral sex. And now there's drug-resistant gonorrhea, which is also linked to oral sex. And about this last, we want to know if we should be worried. Professor Kit Fairley is the person to ask, and he's on the line now. Good evening, Professor. Hi, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Now, um, should we be worried about this drug-resistant gonorrhea?
2: Uh, We should be worried about gonorrhea because it gives you nasty symptoms and has some complications and can increase your risk of catching HIV. The the prospect of, of untreatable gonorrhea is not really the issue. It's just going to become more difficult to treat.
3: Mm -hmm. So I I understand we were kind of running out of antibiotics that it it didn't have resistance to.
2: That's right. So gonorrhea is a really clever bug. It uh, exists in the throat and grabs bits of genetic material that allows it to be resistant to different antibiotics. So from the very beginning, in the late 30s, early 40s, when sulfonamides and penicillin and then a series of other antibiotics were used, gonorrhea became resistant to them. We've been using one for... Uh, about nearly 10 years, I suppose, called Keftriaxine, and that's an injectable one. Mm -hmm. And the trouble is that that gradually this bug is becoming slightly more resistant to it. Treatment failures, where it doesn't work, are exceedingly rare, but but it is gradually becoming more resistant, and, and I suspect at some time in the future, we'll need something else.
3: Part of the problem, as I understand it, is that you can have gonorrhea in your throat and not know it because it's relatively symptom-free.
2: That's exactly right. This is a very important uh, important point because um, in... uh, gay men because they get gonorrhea in the throat and anus which are typically asymptomatic it's much much harder to control than it is in a heterosexual relationship where it's just in the penis and presents within days of of symptoms and can get treated so so that is the problem and the the solution's regular testing
3: now, there have been a lot of rather scary articles uh, floating around the internet in the last few days. I remember seeing one saying, new gonorrhea could be worse than AIDS. Is this just journalistic scaremongering?
2: Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it is.
3: <laughs> well, that disposes of that one very nicely. Um also, um, we remember back in the early days of AIDS, uh, we were starting to be encouraged to use condoms for oral sex as well as for anal sex. Is that coming back onto the list of recommendations now? It's, it's
2: obviously if you'd like to prevent all sexually transmitted diseases and you need to, or infections, you need to do it in a way that uses condoms for everything like that. But... But in reality, that's something that's not going to happen. The important thing is to use them for anal sex so you prevent HIV, which is much more serious than the others. Mm -hmm. So so, um, I don't think that uh, it's a realistic prospect that people will use condoms for oral sex. And therefore, we have to approach the control of gonorrhea different ways. And that way is to have frequent... Testing, particularly have lots of partners, because that means that you can identify the infection and get rid of it early.
3: Yeah, and it also means letting your the, the testing people know that you are in fact gay, and they need to test your throat and your anus.
2: That's right. In fact. You know, it's, it's, I think general practitioners have some of the hardest jobs in the world. They have to know a little bit of everything. And it's difficult for them to know all, all the different tests they have to do on all the different people. And so I think uh, the gay community is incredibly informed from the perspective of health. And so in a way, they can gently suggest, oh, last time I went, the doctor did a throat swab and a swab and a urine test. And the GP will say, oh, yes, that's right. Yes, yes, we'll do that.
3: Now, the the other thing that I've been uh, reading about lately is uh, the human papilloma virus, and links between that are being forged now in the latest research between that and incidences of throat cancer, esophageal cancer, um, Barrett's esophagus, and various other th- um, throat and head neck related um, cancers. Uh, is that possibly another reason to consider using condoms for oral sex?
2: Yes, um, it's certainly true that in almost every country where it's been looked at, the incidence of throat cancer is rising. And it's the, the one that's rising is the one related to human papillomavirus infection. The one that's due to smoking and drinking is falling away in all countries. And that's probably because people begin more so now than they did perhaps 40 years ago, with oral sex as the first site of infection. And so you're, you're seeing these fairly significant rises occurring. So how can you prevent that from happening? If you're a young, if you're a, you're a young gay person coming out and starting the first sexual activity, go and have the HPV vaccine. That's yep. the key. That's an incredibly effective vaccine which prevents uh, cancer from this virus. So it prevents anal cancer, throat cancer, penile cancer. So it's very important. And in fact, that's being rolled out in boys as we speak now it's now available to boys and girls through schools
3: now i want to bring in my co-host for the evening here mr james newbery because he's like to ask you a question james
1: kit james newbery here i'm i'm a bit concerned um doc you said that we don't have to worry about untreatable gonorrhea but dr Arun seven from the center of disease control seems to disagree with you
2: so i, I don't I think I didn't, I didn't actually say we didn't have to worry about it. I said it's less important than, than HIV. Um, untreatable, gone. if there is a stage in the future where it becomes totally untreatable, then that's obviously a very serious issue. But um, will it become untreatable this year or next year? No, what's happening is it's becoming increasingly resistant to one of the antibiotics. Eventually, like gonorrhea has become resistant to previous antibiotics, that antibiotic will no longer use and we will need to find other ones to do that. In referring to that, I was really saying it's, it's not like HIV. Um, it, the,
3: the, the problem with that, as I understand it, is that nobody's actually developing any new antibiotics, are they?
2: Well, um, there are other antibiotics that we've used before that will work. And um, But it's difficult to know what to use before the resistance happens in a way because um, it may become resistant in a particular fashion that rules out some antibiotics and not others. It, it's not an unimportant issue. It is an important issue. And so for individuals, using condoms, if that's an appropriate thing that they can do, having frequent tests is important. At a community level, what we need to do is is... Reduce antibiotic consumption, because what's happening is the gonorrhea bug is taking bits of genetic material from other bacteria that have become resistant to the antibiotics that we've used for coughs and colds and other things. And the second thing we've got to do is control gonorrhea, which is about frequent testing and as less risk as possible.
3: Yeah, and I suppose the, one of the most important bits of information you could say is don't take it for granted that oral sex is safe, which a lot of, completely safe, which a lot of people think it is.
2: That's a very important point. In fact, at Melbourne Sexual Health Centre, which is part of Alfred Health, we now see, for example, genital herpes most commonly acquired from oral sex. So yep. The first presentation of genital herpes is now from oral sex.
3: All right, well, thanks very much for all that, Kit, and thanks very much for joining us tonight.
2: It's my pleasure. All the best.
3: And to you. That was Professor Kit Fairley there from Melbourne Sexual Health. Well, looks like we are going to have to be a little more careful about oral sex than we have been up to now. I don't fancy the idea of using condoms, though, I must admit.
1: Well, if it's a choice between condoms and death, I think I'd rather read a book and go to bed alone. Mm, Yeah, well, I don't think we're at the death stage yet. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not certain. I'm not certain. I mean, I've heard things like 8041, which is this new almost untreatable strain of gonorrhea, has had reported cases where it's killed within five days of infection. I know that those and are...
3: It's been very, 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 very few, though. Less than 1%. Yes, um,
1: but I'm not certain that you want to take chances no. with a thing like that.
3: No. And, and as we say, if you have this you're more susceptible to infection with HIV as well. If you have a valuable, historically important and emotionally significant and fragile artefact in your care, how should you look after it? That's a question I'd like to ask of James Rendell over in WA. Good evening, James. Hello. Now, the problem here is something seems to have happened uh, with the AIDS quilt. Take take me through the history of this. When, When was this quilt last given an airing?
4: It's been... Candlelight Memorial last year, we'd had an inch of rain, it got wet then, and I said it's got to be laid out and dried, so I knew it was wet then. There's so they two, laid the... There's three segments of the quilt. There's, there's, there's two smaller sections. Now, the smaller section came out at... Uh, World AIDS Day and that was fine but that's easy to dry but it's the big piece that has not been out and we wanted it for the memorial and the and
3: And now which memorial is this? The
4: one coming up on the 19th of May. That's
3: that's the big candlelight memorial. Yes
4: and uh, Neil, um, Neil Buckley who's the event coordinator told the Friends of the uh, the secretary of the Friends of the AIDS Memorial Group. It was one of them because of, there's all this fuss about not being able to have the quilt. And so all these people have been asking, why can't we unfold the quilt and why... Um, and, and, because and, it normally
3: uh, forms part of that ceremony, doesn't it?
4: Well, yes, it does. It should. Because it's... A, and we wanted to have people in... Um, Michelle's uh, Bologna, George Bologna, is, um, wanted to have balloons and... and um, uh, a an unfolding ceremony, so we have all the kids and whoever else wants to be in white and read the names out, blah blah blah. Yes. And it so, was.
3: So so so, goes, so we
4: can't do that. We can't do that. We can't do that. So then who
3: who's sa- who's saying we can't do that?
4: The event coordinator, right? From, and, and, and he is and from. I believe that's Mother Greta. Okay. Neil Buckley, but he's he's it's because he's an individual. Individual, He's been running it. But the, the point is, getting back to the quilt, the quilt that's important is that he told and WAC, I don't know, WAC haven't said...
3: WAC is Western Australia AIDS, Aids Council, Council,
4: right? It, yeah. They haven't... They've kind of refused and they've gone into ground.
3: But so so, so they, 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 they have custody of this quilt, right? Yes. And, and they are not allowing it out for the candlelight ceremony?
4: We're not sure because the, um, but quite simply they haven't answered the email to confirm it. I've had two 45-minute phone calls with them and I'm waiting for someone from the AIDS Council to um, answer a letter to say what the condition is. We've had four or five people have contacted the AIDS Council with writing um, and to the board. The, the CEO's gone away until the 14th or something of of May and he can't, can't be reached for any decisions and there's no transparency in terms of confirming... Okay, okay. So what do you it's damaged. Su-
3: so so what do you? Su- why do you suspect that it may have become damaged?
4: Well, because um, Mother Greta's usually right. Mother
3: and, Greta, and and if, 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 yeah, but yeah, we don't know. We don't. We don't. We, we don't know Mother Greta. Greta. Damaged. If, if, if the AIDS Councils
4: tell Mother Greta, tell the sisters, like, and it all makes sense, because they didn't have it out at World AIDS
0: Day. OK.
3: So all right. Now, now, you said, the other thing you said to me before we, uh, in our emails, before we, get, we, we went to air, is that the AIDS Council are not storing it properly anyway. I think the phrase you used was, it was stuffed in a shed.
4: Well... Three people have described to me, and as, as a sister, they've, oh, you know, they've said this when I've been in habit, so it can't be confidential. Is that they've used the term shed to right. describe it? Now, now, that's three or four people, including one who was a member of the Star AIDS Council. So, so, so you have pretty I good, mean, you
3: have pretty good evidence for saying a, it's not been properly stored, and b, it's gotten damaged
4: was supposed to be in a museum i mean we we we, we ratted on all about this I've, we've heard this on your program before about the powerhouses problems yes. Yes. so it's that if they're that if the museum is that kind of careful of the rest of the quilt the oath council were given custodianship of it but there seems to be this general buzz to destroy every meaningful thing um and Over here in WA, the the CEO, you've you've seen the article in the Perth Voice about the Red Ribbon. Mm -hmm. These valuable community symbols are not being um, promoted and, and respected enough. I mean, the city of Vincent's going to be spending $18,000, thanks Alana. I mean, she, Alana has really jumped too and has following up with the sisters' idea of getting the solar lighting and, and stopping the skateboarding, and they've got $18,000 they're going to be voting on. So the O's Council needs to really think about... Um, his, it, what value it's going to add to the, um, to sure, the community sure. and the things.
3: Well, well, uh, obviously we need, um, I would, I'd put out an invitation now for someone from the AIDS Council, if anyone's listening in, and they should be because I've publicised it enough over your part of the world. Uh, if anyone from the AIDS Council is listening in, give us a call, let us know what's happening with this quilt, and we can try and get this one sorted. Sister Mary Jane, we're going to have to leave you there, but thanks very much for joining us tonight. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Sister Mary Jane. Bye. <laughs> well, as you can tell, Sister Mary Jane is very passionate about uh, this issue, and so he should be. He's uh, not the only one. Uh, there's a message here from Graham in Noble Park who said, my God, I've added to the quilt uh, the bastard who didn't care about it ought to be shot. I don't know if we want to go quite that far. Um, But Sister Mary Jane did touch on something that we have spoken about previously on this program, and that is the way that the Powerhouse have got hold of most of it, the Powerhouse Museum in Sydney have got hold of most of the quilt, and we seem to have completely the opposite problem there.
1: Yeah, so what we're hearing out of WA is that the quilt has been laid on sodden ground during a previous function, and then it was rolled up and put back in a shed and became mouldy. What we're getting from the powerhouse is an absolute fear of letting their components of the quilt to come out and actually go on display for fear of it being damaged. Surely there is some kind of happy medium between... Destroying these things through overuse and preservation through hiding them away in vaults.
3: Yeah, I mean, we we know that Victorian AIDS Quilt is very well cared for because it's looked after by one of our Joy volunteers here.
1: It is and it also comes out at appropriate community. And
3: it was properly displayed by being hung in a gallery when it came out here. So Not just thrown on the ground in a park. Yes, which seems exceedingly strange. I mean, couldn't they at least have put a tarpaulin underneath it or, or something of the kind?
1: I find it odd that that I think this is a case of thoughtlessness rather than any kind of malice, but we are talking about arguably the gay community's most important artifact. This quilt isn't just a quilt. It is the almost only public reminder of an entire generation wiped out by a pathogen.
3: Yeah, and it, it's the memorial. It's like I don't know the nearest equivalent it w- for a, it would be like blowing up a, a war memorial, a, a, you know, the, the shrine or whatever. Well, it's, it's our even, shrine of remembrance.
1: It's even worse than that because these people didn't choose to get HIV. No. So you know, I mean, I'm I'm a big supporter of our military, but I just think we need to. It shouldn't be this hard to both display. And preserve these things simultaneously. Victoria can do it. Why can't Sydney? Why can't WA?
3: Yeah, we've got to find we've got to find some way. I mean, I'm 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 all in favour of having it in our community hands, because I think that's where it belongs, rather than in being some sterile, in a museum environment where it is, you know, grandly titled some sort of cultural artefact and kept behind glass and, and brought out in dim light once every five years in case it fades. We don't want to go down that route. Uh, which is more or less where the powerhouse have gone with it. But on the other hand, we don't want it being slung around like a picnic blanket.
1: Well, that, that seems to be what's going on here. I mean, we're able to do other national monuments, for example, Admiral Phillips logs. We're able to keep them safe, mm. the original Constitution of, of the original Constitution Act, which formed our country. We're able to to keep these things on display permanently and available to community groups. Who who want to review them and keep them for the future?
3: Yeah, we got another message in here from a listener, um, no name on it, but uh, thanks for thanks for uh, sending us your message. Goodness, such an important historical artifact! Get it away from these people. It's too important. This is an outrage. I'm I'm pretty cross about this.
1: I'm I'm sure that the the AIDS Council of WA will come and present their side. They've just been unavailable um, for this week's show, but I'm sure they will talk to us later. But It isn't sounding good. There are just too many witnesses and it sounds like something's gone terribly wrong. And this isn't the kind of thing you can just throw in the washing machine with some bleach. This is something far more valuable. It's going to cost a fortune to restore it. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au.
3: And this is your host, Doug Pollard, assisted this evening by James Newberry. Now, many times in the past on this program, if you're a regular listener, we have talked about and to the Pinnacle Foundation, which helps um, young LGBTI students and others uh, in need of assistance. Um, because a great many of them, of course, um, you know, they wouldn't be able to progress their education without proper financing, and they're not always on good terms with their families kind of for a variety of other reasons. Their families might not be wealthy or whatever. Now, um, they've been mainly Sydney-based up to now, although they obviously do have Victorian students, but now they're starting a real push into Melbourne, and the man behind that push is in the studio with us now. His name is Bodan Abrat. Evening, buddy. Hi. How are you? It's great to be on the show. It's nice to have you back in the Joy Studio after all this time. Indeed, it's been a few years. (laughs) It has been been a few years. Now, first off... um, Tell us a little bit about um, how things are going with the foundation at the moment. Yeah. Because you're, you're really expanding, aren't you?
0: Well, it's, um, as you pointed out, it's a, it's a wonderful organisation. Just to refresh you on, um, on what we do, we've got really two components. One of those components is the financing, the funding, the giving of scholarships to students for vocational purposes. So they mm-hmm. can buy their books, pay their tuition and, uh, and otherwise, you know, um, get along to get a bit of a kickstart in their, in their university or other, other um, vocation. Mm-hmm. The second component is a mentoring component and we try and match every scholar that we have, every student, with a mentor in a field that the student is interested in. and um, and that program is is going up in leaps and bounds and is is becoming really, really successful. Um, so they're the, they're the two components that um, that we're looking at.
3: So how many students do you have uh, on the books, so to speak, at the moment? This year we gave out 13
0: new scholarships, 13 um, new students, and we had uh, given out a, a range of scholarships last year. Eight of those students are still studying and have carried on into this year with right. um, a, a re-grant. So there's 21 currently on the books. Right so that's
3: quite that's quite a rise in numbers.
0: That's right. So we started um, um quite small. Um 3 years ago we were we were looking at numbers of about 6 or 7. Yeah. Um that then increased um you know quite a, to a, to a much larger number I think it was um somewhere around 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Um uh, last year and then uh, this year up to 21 which is just great. Where where do you get the money from? Uh, Well, that's a that's a great question. (laughs) We uh, we're a um, a, a, um, not for profit. We're um, um, a DGR. Um, organization, mm-hmm. uh, and um, so we rely entirely on the goodness of people to donate okay. uh, and, money and, to us. And because you're DGR, that means t- d- um, so donations are tax deductible. Deductible gift recipient yes. status. That's right. So if you give over tax $2 time $2. coming up, people <laughs> tax time coming <laughs> I, I, up, people. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you can, so yeah, you can you can claim that um, donation back on on tax right which which must help quite well, a bit. Uh, yeah absolutely um, you know but that that's one of the things that um, that we are always looking to do raise raise more money one of one of our um, key goals in um, the next five years in our forward planning is to try and get enough money um, to hit a five million dollar mark so that we would then have a sustainable um, uh, quorum of funds mm-hmm. that would ena- enable us effectively to, to exist perpetually to to fund you know, lots of of students and, and great initiatives, um, but to be able to get to that point, there's a lot of work to be done, mm. and that's why we've started up this this Melbourne chapter to try and tap into some of the um, Melbourne uh, um, potential donors. It sounds like
1: a lot of raffle tickets to sell to raise money,
0: <laughs> right? And um, we 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 actually don't um, our fundraising strategy at the moment isn't one um, that involves raffles and oh, and the sorts. What about of,
1: a bake sale then?
0: Yeah, that's right. It, it's it, we're we're not sort of at that level. What we what we're at, really I think they're working do, at a
3: slightly higher. Level
0: oh. <laughs> is to touch, is to really get into people's hearts and and touch them. This is a really fantastic um, cause to be able to contribute to. So once we tap into the right networks of people, um, then you know we f- we find that people are actually really um, giving and, and willing to. Um, to donate money um, to us. We're also trying to tap into the corporate sector to try and um, you know,
3: fleece some of their <laughs> their earnings, if you like. Well, you should be able to point to, uh, you know, over time, you should be able to point to successful students um, who have made a contribution to industry and commerce uh, or even the law, as in your case, um, and and say, look, you know, um, this is the sort of people we can we, we we are helping and we are turning out, and don't you want people like these in your organisation? Absolutely,
0: and um, you know that that is something that we actually discussed. We had a board meeting last night of the pinkle Foundation and discussed the types of people that um, mm-hmm. are getting scholarships, and um, strategically, you know, we, we need to be really um, you know, forward thinking in in the way that that we do award those those scholarships. What's the demand like? Well, it's it's growing. It's it's growing um, really quickly. Um, so we we had um, a lot of applicants um, last year, and we've got a, a committee of people that that go through every single applicant, interview each applicant um, on a on a face to face basis. And that takes a lot of time, a lot of energy. Um, mm-hmm. But and ultimately, not everyone can be successful.
1: So how can one volunteer and help your organisation out with time, which might even be more valuable than money?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if anyone um, isn't able to um, donate money, which is one of the things obviously we're looking to do, they can um, donate their time either by putting themselves forward as a potential mentor and uh, and putting themselves into the database um, for that um, mentoring role. We do require quite a bit of information about those people. Yeah,
1: yeah, you really do. I looked at it last night. And have you looked at streamlining that process? I, I have a federal security clearance for my work and mm. that was less paperwork.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, i'm I'm just concerned there that that the websites process could be causing a bit of... A...
0: Yeah, it, it could be prohibitive, but the, the reason um, for that is that we've got um, um, people in a mentoring capacity, often mentoring people who are, are disadvantaged or um, may have some um, mental issues. Um, there, there are um, people that we just have to be extremely careful about mm. the way that those people interact, because you know, this, this is one, our reputation on the line, and two, we, we, we just can't get into um, you know, any sorts of issues where there might be any accusations about the the quality of the mentors. Oh,
3: sure. Would that that also be... um, I'm trying to put this in the most delicate way I can think of putting it, but um, is it because you are a glbtiq organisation that you have to be extra careful well it's, it's really
0: interesting and I, I didn't mean to be as as rude as that but i think that there is a, a presumption in the community that that's what i was wondering yeah. about
3: that it's a, it's a, it's a, you, you want to be sure that none of that is going to be thrown your way which yes, is very important. That, that's right. And
0: I, I think that the backlash um, that can um, can happen in relation to um, LGBTI issues can be so much more severe um, in in a media context.
3: You know, media well, can, I'm going to say it only takes one it. tabloid to blow up a story out of very little and mm. it could undo a lot of your good work, couldn't All it? All of it, potentially, that's right. Now, you said the demand is is growing and very great. Um is it uniform across australia or is it concentrated just in the major cities or where's it coming from
0: we've well, actually got scholars from all over the country um, perth adelaide brisbane uh, sydney melbourne and you know we are trying to tap into um the um the, the non metropolitan areas if if you like so we are getting applications from all around australia um it is difficult to to reach some of the rural areas um, in Australia, just because we don 't quite have the networks, and again that 's why we're trying to set up um, state based um, um, subcommittees that help um, with um, with decentralizing if
3: you like the effort mm. away from Sydney yeah, because at the moment you are pretty sydney centric.
1: Yeah um, and I mean you've had I mean, you've
3: had a you've had a, pre- you've had a presence here in Melbourne mm. I've been to launches that you've held here in Melbourne and you've got Victorian scholars but uh, the kind of the, the the head of the octopus as it were is, is still in Sydney is it not now that's right are you going to be a more distributed organisation once this change has gone through yeah, um, it, it takes a little while um, to implement. Uh, we have got um, strategies, as I
0: said, um, in Adelaide. We've got strategies in in Brisbane to um, set up regional committees, and the and the Melbourne regional committee has now actually been um, set up and has started to meet,
3: which is a great thing. We've also um, looking at, at tapping into the Tasmanian population as well. What, what sort of people have you got on your committee? What kind of range of uh, industries and so on do they represent? So um, there, there's um, me, who's who's in the law. We've got. Some someone who's
0: in um, in the banking sector. Uh, we've got a, a retiree who was in um, science and we've got someone who um, specialises at the moment in, in marketing. So we, we've got a range of people mm-hmm. coming together with it with different experiences so that we can leverage those um, qualities and, and be able to you know, get the best outcomes. And is
3: that typical of the kind of people who are on the board generally across the organisation? Um, the, the board's um, quite a, a small board of, of people and that involves the initial founder
0: um, myself um, and, and two other people who are mm-hmm. um, I, I guess you would you would say um, you know quite um, experienced in in matters of corporate governance um, so the, the board does that and then the um, the management who are all volunteers I might add um, do come from a wide background um, again you know marketing corporate mm-hmm. governance um, finance accounting those types of backgrounds
3: we're talking with Bodan Abrat of the Pinnacle Foundation Um, which is ramping up its involvement in Melbourne. And as part of doing that, they're planning on some events, are you not? Yes, we are. So
0: as I mentioned just before the the break, we... Have started the Melbourne chapter, a Melbourne committee who, um, who's tasked really with um, getting the Pinnacle brand out um, within Melbourne, as well as um, trying to tap into and attract um, donations to keep the Pinnacle Foundation um, a- away from being so Sydney, Sydney reliant. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the strategies that we've got for that is to host an event, which will be um, a, a gala event, if you like, uh, where we have a, a guest speaker that will come along. Um, that guest speaker is um, yet to be named, um, but we're we're working on um, um, several um, very high profile um, members of our community. And uh, we would also have our scholars, some of our Melbourne-based scholars, come mm-hmm. out, come and mm-hmm. talk to that event. And uh, we're we're looking at hosting it in the city, um, and it would be uh, a nighttime event um, with um, a networking component that that would be attached to it.
3: Yeah, are, are you going to sort of look to invite people like uh, Robert Doyle, the Lord Mayor of the city, uh, to get involved? And-
0: Invite list isn't yet finalised, but we would certainly be looking at having some very high-profile guests who are supporters of, of the community, as I know Robert has been.
3: Yeah, well, um, he has, he's one of the many who's kind of had a bit of a turnaround in recent yeah, years. Yeah, absolutely. And Nat uh, uh, is now quite supportive of our, of our community. Jeff Kennett is another one who's uh, come on board much more. Neil Mitchell. You know, there's lots of people who uh, I'm sure would uh, love the chance to help out with something like this, if you ask them. That's right. Uh, and they may not be members of our community, but I don't think we can afford to be that choosy.
1: <laughs> Allies are almost more important because they outnumber us.
3: Well, there is that, mm. yes. So you're saying some sort of gala event, so you, you, found, you're thinking of something quite glossy. Well, um, th- this one probably
0: won't be as, as gala as, as the second event that, um, <laughs> that we're looking at um, at supporting. The, the, uh, the second event is... Um, um, touted to be a black tie ball right. um, which would be much smaller numbers invite only type um, yeah. type thing and um, you know, there's there's two chaps that I've been working with that are producing this particular event which would have a, a donation component and, mm-hmm. it, and mm-hmm. it may well be that um, the Pinnacle Foundation is, is the recipient of, of most of those donations if not all
3: Oh you want to talk to some people in the Liberal Party they've been charging people $10,000 a plate to go to dinner <laughs> with them you know sure you could run up something similar
0: I don't think ours will be anywhere near <laughs> that Doug <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think any of us are, are, are quite at that level yet. And, you know, to get these things off the ground, I think you've got to start um, small. Of and course. I was joking. We, well, we are grassroots.
1: I don't so. think you can rule out the Lamington Drive. People love Lamingtons.
0: That's true. I don't know how personally to cook lamingtons, though. So oh, you know, I'll, I'll teach you. It'll oh, fun. Can, can you? Yeah,
1: yeah it'll oh, that'd, be be easy.
0: that'd be great. Well, we'll put that onto the agenda of the Melbourne <laughs> um, chapter and, and um, start working on that, James. Excellent,
3: excellent, excellent. Now, uh, what, what else are you planning as, as part of this push into Melbourne? Are you going to be approaching businesses here and, and for, for, for support and
0: funding? Absolutely. So um, the, the strategy that we've got at the moment is to identify um, high net worth individuals. Um, and um, try and um, work out how um, we have contact and um, network um, into those people. Um, And then um, sit down and just have coffee. We'll just have conversations mm. with them. Mm. And I think once you introduce the concept of the Pinnacle Foundation, um, those people then, um, their eyes sometimes light up. Oft- often they're looking for um, interesting causes to be able to support. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, that's, that's sort of the starting point um, for us. If they then have connections into um, small businesses or larger businesses mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. Melbourne, then um, you know, absolutely we're looking um, to those corporates to assist us with donations as
3: well. Well, I think it's very important that you have well-known and, shall we say, uh, you you, you project a high standard of integrity Mm. because, uh, I hate to say it, but in the past there have been gay organisations in this city who have um, soaked up a lot of community money one way and another and not delivered very much for the community in return and there's a certain wariness, I think. Um, as a result there, so I think if you have um, a, a proven a system of proven integrity and some good solid names there with good solid resumes you'll do you 'll do very well we
0: well, 're acutely aware of that and and our two patrons uh, again that are sydney based and we 're looking to bring some Melbourne supporters on board uh, um, justice Michael Kirby and mm-hmm. um, and Karen Phelps um, you know two um, um, upstanding names in mm. the community and the other thing that I would say to that Doug is that we do have a very sound investment policy and that investment policy is actually available up on our website so if people are concerned about where their money might be going if they give money that policy clearly sets out um, the way in which
3: uh, we are going to deal with your money and how we're going to hold it how we're going to spend it i think throughout that kind of transparency is absolutely essential um in in order to get what you need absolutely and i do hope you get it because i do think the work you do is amazing and it would be good to see many more students being able to um, access a scholarship i just wanted to touch briefly on uh, i I mentioned in my introduction about the reasons why um, kids come to you for scholarships Uh, i I do know with your American branch, mm. your um, the Point Foundation, one would mm. almost call you a franchise—not yes. <laughs> quite of the uh, of the uh, American original. I know there a lot of their students um, are um, looking for financial support because they have fallen foul of their families mm. through coming out as as gay or lesbian or bi or trans or whatever. Um, is that true of you, of some of your students? absolutely and and that's that's a
0: core um um to the population of of scholars that we have had in the past um sometimes um it, it even gets down to um, the unfortunate circumstance where those um scholars have have um, been abused as a result of um their their sexuality or um their gender identity yeah
3: so it's but the great thing about what you do is it's not just giving them a handout it's actually helping them the whole life that 's right, and so again with the, with the
0: mentoring, we try and match um, those um, scholars with a, a mentor who is going to be appropriate for them. Sometimes that might be someone who's been through gender reassignment um, or um, who may be um, living um, um, you know, by themselves in LGBT um, environment in the community, might be studying the same things that the student is studying. And Mm. so that's why um, having those mentors to be able to match uh, with with the students is so important to take them on a new life journey that they couldn't have gone
3: on with their parents. And that is also why it's very important to vet your mentors very carefully. Yeah. Because you are dealing with people who uh, who are vulnerable.
0: Absolutely, um, and some of the most vulnerable people you, you, you've seen if, if you actually went on to our website, which I know that you can access via the Joy website, Doug, um, is um, th- there are experiences and personal experiences sure. from the students there that you can have a look at, and they're really moving
3: Yeah, well, as I have often said in the past and I will say again, links to anything we talk about on the show tonight are on the program blog, which now lives at joy.org.au slash rainbow report, but um You also have your own website, which is uh, pinnaclefoundation.org, as well. So you can go there directly, so you can go via Joy, or you can go directly to that website. Well, thanks for that, Baudan. I'm really pleased that you're getting off the ground here in Melbourne, uh, and I know we're going to be talking about it a lot more. Uh, Here on Joy 94.9 in future Always look forward to coming on to Joy To um, to talk to you with
0: this fantastic show That you've put together and and James With you producing now Oh
1: look, And I'm looking forward to coming and teaching you how to make lamingtons They're one of of the most Amazing things ever
3: Okay, stay with us Bodan um, Because uh, I want to go to a message We've just had, it's quite a long one Uh, Earlier on we were talking about The AIDS quilt in WA Which appears to have become Damaged through having been badly handled Mm. and not taken proper care of. Mm. Um, This is from one of our joint members, Brad. He says... Um, if the allegations of mistreatment of the WA section of the quilt are true, it's a tragic loss of our history and shows utter disrespect by those charged with the storage and protection of this true archival part of our history. Those particularly in the early years who gave their lives through the tragedy of a previously unknown illness, the hours of love and dedication of parents, friends and lovers creating a last, lasting memorial lost due to the carelessness of a few. You're right, WWAC uh, probably will have something to say within time. However, if there was no truth to these claims, then you could bet your pink dollar they'd be screaming out their case now to shoot down the rumours before they flame up into a proverbial inferno of public opinion. As for our diggers on Anzac Day, let's share the same sentiment for the unknowing front line who fought their hardest to fight off this virus. You were the fighters for our community in a very true sense and should never be forgotten, lest we forget those who have gone
1: before. I Moving really stuff. <laughs> really can't add anything to that. <laughs> Look, we Brad, I promise you, we will we'll ask, get to the bottom. We will get to the bottom of this. We're gonna find out what's going on and we will definitely um have some updates for you concerning the AIDS Quilton WA.
3: It's it's tragic when things like this happen because um the AIDS Quilt is more than just a piece of history. It, as I said before, it's it's also
1: like our Anzac Memorial. It's more important than that. It it To me, um, I've explained in the past my experience of being in the same room with it. It moves me to a place where I think about not just the lost lives and the people who died, but the lost potential. Um, it reminds me of the oppression that we've been through. It reminds me of where we're going.
3: Yeah. And uh, thank goodness we now have organisations like the Pinnacle Foundation who are actually preventing the loss of potential and developing that potential instead.
1: Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast, brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au.